got a scripture here, and uh, I'm just coming out of the series I'm doing in the church. I'm speaking from the life of Joseph on God's, God's mysterious way. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Like William Carper said, God works in mysterious ways. His purpose to perform. He's got to work in mysterious ways. Because if we understand his ways, it means that it wouldn't be God. It's as simple as that. So God works in mysterious ways. So this scripture in 2 Kings 6 and verse 1, it says, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, remember Elisha followed on from Elijah. He asked for a double portion. God gave him a double portion. Look, the place where, where we meet. The prophets came to him and said, Look, the place where we meet is too small for us. I think that's a word for you. <laughs> I think it's a word for you. This place is too small. I know that you've tried so many different things, but don't give up. I believe a bigger place is on the way in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elisha just said, go, go. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elijah replied. And he went with them and they went down to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them were cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water Oh no, my Lord, he cried out, it is borrowed. I remember borrowing a car and crashing it. It wasn't great, okay. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Just about my book, yeah, this is a book about my life, about God, how God rescued me from the ruins. I was a registered drug addict, and uh, the Lord saved me uh, all those years ago, and uh, he put a purpose in my life straight away, because he doesn't just save us, he purposes us, hallelujah, for the glory of God. So it's not just a matter of survival, it's a matter of God gives you purpose. When you are saved, he purposes you for something beyond your ability to do. That is what God does. And I know that when the Lord started to purpose me, I remember him showing the end from the beginning, because that's, and he showed me the end, and I thought, no, that's ridiculous, Lord. And he showed me the beginning, but he never showed me in, the, in between. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I would have been as blessed if I would have seen the in-between as I saw the beginning. But it's been great walking through the in-between because that is important. So this story is sandwiched between two other uh, really, really momentous events. The, uh, the fall of Gehazi, who you know, tried to embezzle funds illegally, and he ended up having leprosy, and then the other one that when the king of Aram was surrounding Israel. And uh, Elijah said, pray because more are for us than is against us. And he prayed, and he saw all the multitudes of angelic beings. But right in the middle of those two amazing events, this, about an axe iron floating. And that is incredible. 
It really is. So we need to understand that the Lord is on the work. And I just want to say that no matter what your situation is, because he cares for the small things. He cares for those very small things. Not just the big things, but the loss of an iron head, an axe head. He cares about that. So here we see that, um, here we see that Elijah, Elisha um, uh, was being challenged and he was being challenged by these young school of prophets. He was being challenged. He had asked for a double anointing, a double portion. And that was now rubbing onto the people around him. Because now they were saying that the place where they were was too small. And I just want to say to all of us, we've all got responsibility for the expansion of this church. And I love it when those people that really are just wanting to serve God, putting pressure and saying to me, the place that we are in is too small. Because so often we think that everything's got to be leadership driven. And it's not got to be leadership driven. Of course, it's got to be, it's got to be you know, uh, in line with what the leadership is saying, but it shouldn't be leadership driven. And what did Elisha say? He said, just go and do it. I know I've done that over my ministry. When someone's come to me with a vision, I think of a young guy called Steve Addison. He's running the box-up crime. I don't know whether you've ever heard that. It's in East London. He's, he, he was nearly arrested, nearly put in prison for murder. And he, got, he, he went to the Lord, and the Lord saved him and gave him this ministry about taking the kids off the streets. With box-up now, he's just planted into Ghana. And lots of things that happened. But that came. I remember him meeting me after the prayer meeting and said, this is the vision I've got, Steve. And I thought, how on earth are you going to get there? But you've got the vision. And today that ministry is all over the place. He's just, he's just been on the, Queen's, uh, the King's Honours list. And it's, he's only in his 20s. But God is from a really poor area in East London, one of the worst estates in East London. But God has blessed him and given him a place of influence. And I remember him saying, you know, I remember him constantly saying to me, I want to get more, I want to do more, I want it to become bigger. I never want it to stop. And it's, it, just lately he's planted something in Ghana. So what, what I'm trying to say is this, all of us are responsible. All of us are responsible. It, it shouldn't just come from the leadership. The worst thing that we could expect, and I know that many within this church would agree with me, but right, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to sit back and wait for the leadership to get the vision. God has imparted something into your life. So a co cooperate growth. What about a personal growth? It says in Isaiah 54, it says, enlarge the place, enlarge the place of your tent. The prophet wasn't saying I am going to enlarge the place of your tent. What the prophet was saying, you, and God was saying through the prophet, that you enlarge the place of your tent. So we've got to have a greater capacity for God. We've got to really have a big capacity for God to speak to us, God to minister to us. And it's up to us to enlarge our place, enlarge the space within us so that God can work. 
So that means so often emptying some of the stuff that's there so that he can fill it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So personal growth, corporate growth. So multiple ministries will come out of this church and I know that that's your heritage. Your God, I pray that that will accelerate and more ministries will come from this church. And I pray that more and more ministries will go out into the world making a difference, making a difference in the place that we, that's our mission field, multiple ministries. That the place where we are is inadequate. Do you feel that? I feel it. I feel it. And it got to come from the students. So he said, go. Go. What did Jesus say? He said, go. Go and make disciples. Just go. And that word has really just stuck with me since the day I became a Christian. Just go. Just go. So a little bit about me. I was brought up in the northwest of England. And... Uh, I got myself in a lot of trouble in my younger days. Uh, so much so, by the, end, by the time I was 14, I was a registered heroin addict. And everybody gave up on me. But I had a praying father. My dad prayed. My dad prayed for me and believed God. And I remember the day I came to know Christ, and it, there's an old story within the book that tells you about that, but the fact is that I, I, kind of, I kind of, there's an old story about this. I remember, you know, my dad praying for me. I remember going past his, past his house because I was living in a rat-infested squat, and I remember, him, I remember looking at my bedroom, and he was there. The light was on, and after I became a Christian, he said, I wait, I, every, till 2 o'clock every morning, I was praying for you, Steve. I was praying for you. And something happened in that trial that set him afire. That which was meant to destroy him worked out for good. Hallelujah. It triggers something and it created something within him, a resilience that he wasn't going to give up until he saw what God had said to him. And the Lord wants to build a resilience into all of us. He really does. He wants to build a resilience into all of us. Anyway, my dad, I was getting worse and worse and worse. I did a bit of time in prison. And uh, I had a kidney removed when I was 17. And uh, I had hepatitis C, which I discovered just a few years ago. I was still carrying it. I had to go through an old period of treatment for that. But I, my dad, you know, what happened was that I was in a place and I was injecting and this guy stood up with a crucifix and he said I have crucified Christ and something happened with him and I said to all my friends I've got to leave and I went home my dad prayed for me I can't remember him praying but he said would you receive Christ into your life and I said yeah can't remember a thing the next day I went out lots of things were happening he received lots of words it's amazing when you go with the promises of God, God starts to bring things about. Hallelujah. There's a lot more co coincidences when you are going in accordance with God's word than when you are not going according to God's word. 
when we pray, a lot more coincidences happen. A lot more open doors happen. When we don't pray, it seems as though not many doors open to us. But when we seek the Lord and we seek his will, praise God, and we, we, we kind of, we kind of uh, obey the go in our lives, God starts to operate. And I believe with all my heart that the Lord is sending us. He's recommissioning us to go. To go and build again. Because this is what the school of the prophets wanted. He want, they wanted to build and they wanted to build a place for them because the place that they were in was too small. The place that you are in is too small. And I remember the night when I went into church. My relationship wasn't, with my dad wasn't great, but the Lord started to repair it and I went into church. It was a small church. No young people, nothing to attract me. But I sensed God. For the first time in my life, I sensed that the Lord was present. And when the pastor preached, and he preached on repentance, he preached on salvation, he spoke about that religion was not a matter of gaining something or meriting something, but it was a non-meritous religion that the Lord loved us unconditionally, despite whatever we did. And then he asked me, he asked all of us, there was only me and a few other people, he said, I'm sure that there's someone in this place that doesn't know Christ. I mean, it was obvious, I had green hair, and uh, you know, I was yellow as a buttercup with hepatitis. And I went forward, and Christ came into my life and save me. And he put me on a journey. He put me and my wife on a journey. We met 46 years ago, went to Bible college, went back to St. Helens, came to East London 30 years ago. And the Lord put us on a journey. And it's been an exciting but tough journey. So we've got to build for growth. Are we intentional about growing? It won't just happen. We've got to be intentional. We've got to be praying. We've got to be praying and we've got to be seeking the Lord at this time. Secondly, I'll ask you another question. Have you had a setback lately? Because sometimes we're so naive. We are so naive that we think that we'll have a steady state of advancement without discouragement, opposition or difficulty. It's not gonna happen, guys. The devil's gonna try and steal our courage. The devil's trying to, is going to oppose everything that we do. So we can either move down this track or we can sign a peace treaty with the devil. That we, because he will never bother us because we're not making advancement. You see, I honestly believe that the devil is, is not as concerned about pushing you back as constricting you and keeping you in the same place. And we don't want to be in the same place. The Lord is leading us. We are going. And we're going to have setbacks. 
But when we experience increased blessing, and if you read the stories of revival, when we increase blessing, I promise you that opposition will come. And this guy, this young, young prophet, was cutting away and his axel had fell because it was blunt. And he didn't even realize that it was being loosened. He didn't even realize that it was going to fall off. He didn't even realize about that. He didn't realize about the resistance that would take place. Now bring this into the spiritual realm. You see, when we, are, when we are cutting away, and this was all to do with the rebuilding process, when he was hacking away, he didn't realize that the axe was coming off. And that's why we have got to be diligent about what we're doing. We've got to be really diligent. But in the midst of all this, God engineers something magnificent that Thousands of years after this incident, this incident that really, 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 really is insignificant. It's in the scriptures. So we started to build a new building. 20 years seeking the Lord. Tried so many different things. And we got the okay, the green light to build this magnificent auditorium right in the middle of Ilford, in the high street, on the most expensive land in Ilford. Building this five floors high, doing the topping off service, the last piece of steelwork had gone in, a couple of my headquarters people were there, we were all rejoicing and we were rejoicing at the prospect of really moving into this building. We were meeting in Cineworld at the time. We'd been meeting there for six years. And then I got, I was in a conference and someone came into that conference and said, your building's collapsed. From top to bottom. I remember driving home thinking, what do I do? What do I say? Where do I go? How do I leave the church through this? But I praise God for the people around me. I praise God for the people around me because I thought that they were, you know, I had to announce it to the church on the Sunday that the building had collapsed and I was on my own. And it was a very emotional and concerning thing because I knew that these people were looking forward to it so much. I knew it. They've been doing the setup and the pack down, bringing stuff from miles away into, into Cineworld every, every Sunday. And I thought, what, how are they going to respond? And I preached. I was broken. And my leaders said, oh, we want to see you afterwards. I thought, that's it. I'm gone. <laughs> they put me in the center. And they all gathered around me and said, thank you. Thank you. We've learned so much about faith through this experience. Thank you. And if they would have reacted any different, 
that would have been me. And I promise you, as we are pressing forward, we will see resistance. You will receive resistance. So we've got a choice in those situations. We can either believe Murphy's law that whatever would happen will happen, or we've got to get into faith and ask God. Woody Allen said, this civilization stands at a crossroads. Down one road is, the, is despondency and despair. Down the other road, total annihilation. Let's pray that you will choose the right one. I mean, what a concept. Or we can get into faith. And we can start to believe God. No matter what the resistance is, we will believe God. No matter what the resistance is in our lives, we will believe God. Because faith is an invitation to a living God to get into the situation. And standing on the site the next day, I said, God, I'm inviting you. I'm believing that this was right. I believe that it's still right. And we are still going to complete what you have said to us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the incredible thing about it is this. And I wasn't going to say this, but it's talking about resistance. The incredible thing about it, I had a five million pound loan facility with the bank before the building collapsed. We were debating and going through the legal system for three years and then we got on site and we opened in 2016. Debt free. Debt free. In fact, and once the claim was settled, because we never got in it debt free because of the claim, but once the claim was settled, we had, a, we had a, quite a few quid in the bank. I'm not telling you how much, but it was seven figures. It was millions in the bank. We still got it there, ready for it to go. We're looking at another building now. But it's how we react in those situations. So the Bible says that when we know that all things work together for good, who are called according to his purpose, it's all to do with being called and his purpose. Not, let's not cut it off by saying all things work together for good. No, it's according to his purpose and his calling. And it says we get in his calling and his purpose. And we, this isn't something mysterious, mysterious. It's just that we want to serve God. We want to do something for God. We want to do something greater than what we're doing now. We want to keep our edge very sharp. We want to be the cutting edge. We want to be the head and not the tail. We know that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. We know that we know that we carry the word of God. And, the, you know, the fact is that we can be sharp. Or we can be blunt. And sometimes we allow our situations and the, and the cares of this world to blunt us. Or the disappointments in the past to blunt us. Some of you have been praying for your children for years. And somewhere along the line, you've got tired of doing and you've become blunted in that. God wants to restore you in Jesus' name. And you see what God will do. I pray for every prodigal to come back in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe it's impossible? Nah. Everybody had given up on me. So we can make that choice. We can make that choice. So the question is, are we preparing now 
Or have we lost our edge, should I say? We've got to do something about it. We've got to do something about it. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we need to realize everything that we have, this accent was borrowed. Everything that we have, we have borrowed. We don't own anything. It's all been borrowed. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ bought us. Hallelujah. We are not our own. And we need to just remember that. And secondly, secondly is we've got to discover and go back to where we've lost it. Where did we actually lose it? When you were absolutely on fire. When you were on fire. Where did we lose it? We've got to go and tell the Lord. I've go and tell the Lord that we've done it. We've lost it. This guy went to said, said to Elijah, listen, I've lost it. And I love his response. He never berated him. He just said, tell me where you lost it. That's the God that we serve. And that we've got to use the means of recovery. Interesting, isn't it? Because it was just a sticky through there. A dry old stick he threw into the water. We know there was no inherent power in the stick, but it was a catalyst. I remember my dad, you know, when I was asking him, tell me when the change took place, dad. I saw a change. He said, firstly, I just went to the Lord and I said to the Lord, I've lost it, Lord. I've lost it. Through despondency and through resistance and through a lack of activity and a lack of answers, I've lost it, Lord. I know where I lost it and I'm going back there now and I'm repenting that I lost it. I'm going to turn my back on that and I need you to fill me again. I lost it. My dad said that that's the time that I sensed the grace of God like I've never been sensed it before I felt him just pouring his love upon me and then I went back to the place like it says in Revelation you've lost your first love go back to the place where you lost it go back to that place use the means of recovery so what he said he said those dry old things that I'd given up like prayer and repentance and all the kind of quoting the word of God over you, Steve, and prayer and repentance and remembering the promises that, that the Lord gave me over you when you were small. I went back to those dry old things that seemed to be so dry and dead and I started to reclaim them and I started to throw them at the situation and I started to throw them and direct them to you and I started to cast them upon you and then I saw glimmers of hope that you were coming alive again. Hallelujah. God is good.
And it was in the Jordan. Jordan represents death to the Christian, that we die to ourselves. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it remains on its own, but if it dies, it will produce. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to throw those things and re- recover those things that become catalysts for God to work. Prayer, intercession. Hallelujah. Prayer and intercession and, and the word of God and faith and believing God because he has said it. And if he has said it, it's enough. Hallelujah. And that's when things will start to change. So God will give it back to us. And I pray in Jesus' name that we will be sharp. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, he fell and it says in the scriptures that there was a tongue of fire on every one of them. I pray that the fire of God will fall upon every one of you in Jesus' name. I pray that the fire of God will rest upon every single one of you. It's not my responsibility for your tongue of fire, and neither is it your responsibility for my tongue of fire, and neither is it the leadership's responsibility for the tongue of fire. And we know that it's not going to be a tongue of fire, but it represented the Holy Spirit coming. Fill us again, Lord. Fill us with your power. Fill us. We pray, Lord, that we will be planning for growth despite the setbacks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.